John 21, verses 1 through 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, where he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the net and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This, is, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John, for reading the scripture this morning. Good morning, everybody. How we doing? All right, yeah, good, ready to go. Um, I don't know if you guys realized we are in the last chapter of the book of John, um, a series that we began four years ago, <laughs> literally, <laughs> um, but we haven't done it the whole four years, but we just kind of keep coming back to it and just going through it verse by verse, and it's just been awesome. And um, one of the things that um, I think of when I read this passage is it just reminds me of, you ever just wonder, like, what is it about? What? Okay, I'm a Christian. I'm following Jesus. I, I believe this gospel thing. What is it about? What am I supposed to be doing? What does it look like to follow Jesus? And uh, this passage is a little... Um, it's very interesting to me because at first glance when you read it and when I was studying it this week and, and looking over, I, at first I was like, I don't know what I'm going to preach. Um, there's fish there. Um, fish happen. 153 fish. That's great. That's real applicable to us today. Um, maybe a few of you are fishermen, but um, what what is it? And, and as I began to... Uh, look into it further and pray and meditate on it um, and study it, I began to see that, that 
God is giving us in this passage of Scripture a, a view into what it means for the church to be on mission. What is the purpose of the church to, to walk and, and live this out together? And a, and a lot of it has to do with um, being uh, near the presence of Jesus and encountering the presence of Jesus in everyday life. In everyday life. How many know that's important? You know, it's, it's so important that we learn to, to recognize and to experience Jesus' presence in our Monday through Saturday and Sunday life. Um, but also, on, on the other hand, so often, it, it, I, I don't know about you, if you're honest with me, but there, there can be days that go by where I'm not aware of it. I'm not recognizing, like, okay, where was Jesus at work here? Or where did I encounter the Lord today? You know, and, and for something that's so amazing, you know, sometimes we don't quite know how to see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing that I'm excited about in this passage and excited to talk about with you today for the next few minutes is, is, to, is to look at that. How can we expect to encounter Jesus in everyday life? And what is it? What does it look like, and, and what would that mean for us? What are we missing out on if we're not experiencing Jesus in everyday life, if, if we're just expecting him in certain times? And so we're here at the end of the book, like I said, the last chapter, and uh, if, you were, if you read through the whole book, you would look at this chapter, and you would almost kind of wonder, like, at first, you would wonder, why is this here? Because it kind of ended last chapter, <laughs> right? We, we had Jesus appearing to his disciples, and, and Thomas didn't believe, and then he comes back and appears to, you know, he's risen. This is after the crucifixion, and he appears to Thomas and the rest of the disciples again, and Thomas worships and says, my Lord and my God, and you see, like, Jesus is not just a man. He's Lord, and he's God, and, and he says, blessed are those who haven't seen but still believe, and that's us. Everyone say, that's me. That we're blessed because we haven't seen Jesus, but we still believe. And, and then it ends with the purpose statement of the book, that Jesus um, did many other signs, but, and they're not written here, but these are written so that you may believe. And then it's, woo, it's in. It's the end. And then we have another chapter. <laughs> and you're like, well, where did that come from? I thought we kind of sealed the deal. Um, we know what we're supposed to do. Um, but this, this chapter... Is, is an epilogue for the book. It reads like an epilogue. Has anyone ever used the word epilogue? <laughs> we don't very much. But epilogue is, was a common in, in ancient literature of the day, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a section or a speech at the end of a book or a play, or in this, in this case a book, um, that serves as a comment or a conclusion on what has happened. Right, and this book, the Gospel of John, has not only a pro, uh, an epilogue, but it also has a prologue. So it has an intro that kind of lifts us up into the story. And and you might remember it. It says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." And you're realizing this this whole beginning, the first eighteen verses of the book, is this intro to say, "This is who Jesus is." He's more than who you think he is. He's the son of God. And it says, this is why Jesus came. This was his mission, 
because he's the, only, he's the one who is in closest relationship with God the Father. And he is God, and he came as the Son of God to show us what the Father is like. So that's the intro, and then the whole book unpacks it. So, but the intro is about who Jesus is and what his mission is, but the outro, the epilogue, is who the church is and what our mission is and what does it look like in an everyday situation like fishing. Is that tracking so far? So when you begin to look at that and when you begin to say, you know, this passage answers the question, what does it mean to look like in, to be the church in the world? That's what this passage helps us to answer. It's almost like it's saying, okay, he's risen. We know it. Okay, now what do we do as his followers? And apparently, um, Simon Peter's answer was to go fishing. (laughs) He's risen. (laughs) Last chapter, he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And uh, in verse 2 or 3 of this passage, we have Peter saying, I'm going out to fish. Um, okay. Everyone else says, we'll go with you. Okay, sounds good. Um, I know Jesus sent us out on this mission to share the gospel. He says that we have the Holy Spirit with us. He says, okay, is anyone tracking the dissonance here? Okay, why are we going fishing? (laughs) And, um, a lot of people, when they read this passage or have preached it, have focused on that decision to go fishing and, and said, well, this has to be negative. Um, they've said, well, this has to mean that, that Peter is, you know, he's abdicating his role. He should have been leading them out into the charge, but he's not ready and he's doubting himself and he's taking down the rest of them with him. But there's not anything in the passage that says that. <laughs> there's not anything in the passage that really focuses on his decision to go fishing as a negative thing. Really, the focus of the passage is not the decision to go fishing, but what happens on the fishing trip. And that's where we learn the lessons, what is happening to them on the fishing trip. And we do see that they, they, have been, um, they have seen the risen Lord. They have testified to the fact that, that he's alive. And, and now, and, and Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. But when we see him on a fishing trip, they're not exactly like we read about him in Acts. You know, like, if you ever read Acts, it's like, they are on fire. It is insane. I, they are preaching, and they're getting thrown in prison, and they're like, we don't care. We have to be true to what God has said. Well, they're not actually doing, they're kind of somewhere in between. They've seen Jesus risen, but they're not out here, like, preaching um, and experiencing persecution. They're just doing something normal that's every day. But what happens in this normal, everyday thing? And uh, I, I guess I should say, too, it was a normal, everyday thing for them. Peter, James, and John, their trade was fishing. So we go fishing for fun, usually, um, unless any of you are pro. I don't know about. Um, maybe some of you. Finn, could you qualify as pro, maybe? Okay. Semi-pro. We got a few semi-pro fishermen. No. Um, but for them, this work. It's just work. Imagine, so you can, if you want to put yourself into the story, imagine you're at work. It's about as normal as it is, right? But what happens while they're at work? Well, the, the first verse says, 
it says, here's what's going to happen. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Now, he already appeared to them. You, you got to ask these things. I don't know about you guys, but um, hopefully when you read through the scriptures, you got to ask these questions like, what does this mean? <laughs> why, is, why did God inspire the author to include this part and not something else? I mean, he already said a few verses ago, there's many other things I didn't write about, but these are written so that you would believe. So why does he include another time that Jesus sees his disciples? Because the last chapter, he saw them twice, not counting um, him seeing Mary Magdalene, right? So they've seen him. They've, they've touched his wounds in his hands and in his side. So I don't think it's that Jesus is trying to prove again, hey, I'm risen. It's not so much about him trying to just prove it. It's more him trying to show his continuing presence in their life. I think you can tell that too by just where he appears to them. The last two times he appeared to them, it was on a Sunday. It was on the first day of the week. Both times he appeared to the disciples altogether. It was in Jerusalem or near Jerusalem. It was in a locked room with the doors closed. So you've got, he's appeared to them in that kind of private setting twice. But where is he now? He's, he's on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. He's out in the open. He's out in the country. He's appearing to them while they're finishing up their day's work. In the normal, in the everyday. Is that tracking? This passage shows us an incredible point that as Christians, part of what it means to be a Christian is that we should expect to encounter Jesus in everyday life. We should expect it because he is risen and he is here. He's with us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to give us what we need. He wants to meet us in the hard places of life, in the mundane places of life, in the places where you might be like the disciples and you've, you're just doing your normal work and you're kind of maybe feeling down because you didn't catch any fish all night. <laughs> maybe you're feeling frustrated on the commute home from work. And maybe Jesus wants to meet you there. And the reason this is important is because we need to expect it. Because think about it. Where do we usually expect to encounter Jesus' presence? Church, right? Normally, I mean, just be honest, we got a few places where we expect it, right? We expect it on a Sunday morning. We expect it when we've sang at least a few songs. We expect it, you know, with a sermon that's at least, you know, Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll encounter Jesus, right? <laughs> or maybe we expect it when we get together with our, with our gospel community during the week, you know, on that weekly meeting, whenever it happens to be. We have these ways of where we expect it, but this passage stands out because Jesus approaches them in an everyday situation and they don't even recognize him at first. Do you guys see that? They don't even 
Here is Jesus in the everyday out in the country on the, on the edge of the lake, on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. What's the point for us? All those who are in Christ should expect to encounter Jesus in everyday situations. When we're at work, we can experience God's presence. When we're commuting, we can experience God's presence. It may be an opportunity to serve someone that comes out of nowhere and seems like an interruption. But we could be experiencing God's presence if we saw that as an opportunity. Jesus is risen and he's not confined to buildings or services or church. Jesus won't fit in our box. Amen? <laughs> I would say let him out of the box, but he won't even fit in there. <laughs> Jesus smashes our boxes of what we expect. And it's beautiful to me, as I read this passage, that we even have that opportunity to experience God in the everyday. Has anyone ever met a celebrity just randomly? Yeah? Words. <laughs> I have, yeah, I've met words played. Um, that was good. One time, I, I've met a few different celebrities. One time I saw Rob Lowe at an airport. And this was in the 90s, so this was the height of his, height of his fame. Um, one time, I, I, the only time I've been in New York City, and I went out to eat with the people who were hosting us, and Gavin DeGraw met us there outside the restaurant because his girlfriend was there. <laughs> And we're like, hey. And she was like part of our group. And we're like, oh, well, hey. Okay, nice to meet you. And he's a, you know, oh, chariot. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but the thing about when you, if you meet a celebrity, like it's normally just you meet them and it maybe it's exciting or something, but you're not expecting to sit down and have like a two-hour conversation about life and like, hey, I'm going golfing later. Like, hey, you want to come? Or like, it's like, no, it's a chance encounter and Maybe you try to get a picture with them, and maybe they're annoyed, or maybe they're nice, or whatever it is, but, and it's kind of exciting, but then that's it. But here's the thing, like, Jesus wants to encounter you and to be with you in the everyday moments, and Jesus is so much greater than any celebrity that you could imagine meeting. This is the God of the universe, who, because he is not dead, because he died but rose again, has said, I want to be with you in everyday life. I want you to meet me. I want you to recognize me. Isn't that beautiful? And if we don't have that expectation, if we don't kind of live every day with this expectation and ask ourselves, where am I going to find Jesus today? Where am I going to experience his presence? We could totally miss out on Jesus ministering to us in the points where we need it the most during that day. And we can totally miss out on the joy that he's called us into and being part of his mission. Amen? You know, um, there was a time, uh, an example I thought of, just this idea of, excuse me, just this idea of 
looking for where Jesus is at work in our everyday life. And uh, this, it was a time, a long time ago, back at, at a church called Anchor Gas Lamp um, that some of you were a part of, and some of you may remember this. Um, but we used to meet downtown uh, on Sunday mornings, and I think Vince was preaching this day, and he was talking about the kingdom of God and what does it look like, what, what does it look like to pray that the kingdom would come? And, and have you imagined that? Have you looked at a block and just thought, like, what would this block look like if God's kingdom was just evident? And all the brokenness was, was healed and people were being served and needs were being met. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Vince did to help us, help our little congregation imagine that, was cut the service short and said, all right, we're going to basically go on a field trip. And we walked a few blocks over to Horton Plaza. And this is before it was all like snazzy and cool, like the remodel over the last few years. Um, I'll just say it wasn't as cool. I'll just put it like that. But uh, anyways, we went there, and we just kind of got in a circle, and, and Vince was kind of leading us through this exercise, like, hey, look around. Like, what, what are the things that you see? What would it look like if God's kingdom was present? What, what would it look like if these needs were being met? And as we were talking about it, some people just from around just started gathering up and hearing what was going on, and there was a guy that came over, and uh, a gentleman, and he was, you know, he was homeless. He was living on the streets, and he was just asking what we were talking about, and we started up a conversation, and and uh, he, he was just like, he was talking about, you know, I, I, I used to be living for the Lord, and I used to be connected to God, and I've just been separated for so long, for so many years, and I wonder if I could have that connection again. And I'm like, yeah, you could. Yeah, let's, let's pray. Let's, and, and he's like, yeah, I would love to pray. And he's in tears, and we pray, and he rededicates his life to Christ, and he says, you know what, I'm ready to, I'm ready to change my life. I want to do something different. And, and Vince is like, well, hey, I know someone at San Diego Rescue Mission that can get you a spot. Let's connect. Let's get you connected. Let's get you their their number. And and it was just this this beautiful picture of just a God moment. God speaking and ministering this person's life would never have happened if we hadn't just said, "Hey, what might the kingdom of God look like if it were here on the block that we're standing on right now?" It wouldn't have happened if there wasn't an expectation that, "Hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but Jesus is going to meet me here today." that all right? All right, then we'll keep going. <laughs> so, and, and, and if you have your Bible, I'm just going through verse by verse, so, I, um, so you won't get lost, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> and I won't get lost either. Um, but yeah, so that's what we see in verse 1 through 3. They're out there fishing. Verse 4, it says this, it's early in the morning, so they've been fishing all night. They've caught nothing. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was him. So here Jesus is to meet them. They don't recognize him, and we don't know why. Maybe they were just too busy on their own boat trying to mess with their frustrations. Maybe they were mending the nets. Maybe they were distracted. I don't know why they didn't recognize Jesus, but they didn't recognize Jesus. But what it does tell us is the kind of situation they were in um, without recognizing Jesus. And without recognizing Jesus, they're in the dark fishing all night, and they have no fish to show for it. <laughs> that will preach. It's like going throughout the day in your own strength without Jesus doing your own thing in the boat with no fish to show for it. Anyone been there? Uh. Whew. 
preaching to myself here. Sometimes I'm too busy on my own boat to recognize Jesus, to recognize opportunities to serve others, to recognize opportunities to depend on the Holy Spirit for what I need. Sometimes I'm too frazzled with my life and with my messed up plans or distracted with how busy I have to be and the things I have to get done or I won't be successful today. Or sometimes I'm depressed or sometimes I'm self-centered. Sometimes I feel overloaded. Sometimes I feel fearful. Sometimes I feel dreary. Sometimes I'm busy with routine and with deadlines. And I'm coming back to the shore with an empty boat after fishing all night. And that just characterizes my life. And Jesus is calling to me, and I don't recognize him. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't need us to recognize him in order to still work in our lives. Verse 5, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? That's a nice dig right there. <laughs> like, do I have any fish? Mm. I mean, you think, is Jesus, does he normally know the answer to the question? Normally, he knows where he's leading. All right. Friends, haven't you any fish? Their answer was one word, no. <laughs> Verse 6, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. All right, so... Something's going on here. I almost said something's fishy. Huh? 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 Something's going on here, right? Jesus is interacting with them. He's providing what they were lacking. He's calling to them even though they don't recognize him yet. And then in verse 7 and 8, the lights kind of switch on, at least for a few of the disciples. It says in verse 7, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved... So uh, most people agree that that's John. Um, John, the brother of James. Peter, James, and John were kind of the inner circle of Jesus. Um, so it says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! With an exclamation point. So he starts to realize, You know what? Something's, I feel like something's happened like this before. I feel like Jesus has done something like this before, which he has. For those of you who know it, for those of you who don't know, I'll tell you real quick. In Luke 5, the story of when Peter, James, and John were first called to follow Jesus. When he first called them to be a disciple, you know where they were? They were fishing. They were fishing, and they had fished all night, and they hadn't caught anything. And that's when Jesus said, put out to the other side of the boat, put out your nets, and and they caught so many fish that they almost sunk their boats. <laughs> and so John, in this moment of brilliance, realizes, I think that's Jesus. <laughs> right? So the light goes on for him, and he recognizes. But Peter, Simon Peter, heard him say, it is the Lord. And Peter goes a step beyond in, in true Peter fashion. John is, John is quick intellect, and Peter is quick action. And we need both, right? But J Peter hears him say, it's the Lord. And he just like grabs his, you know, make sure I got my cloak on. Whoop, jumps into the water and starts swimming towards Jesus. And he's like, you guys worry about dragging all this fish in. 
You can, you can do that. I know we fished all night and we were hoping for this, but you can take care of it because someone else is more important. What we see in this part of the passage is our prerogative, our, what we need to do in order to more fully encounter Jesus in everyday life. And that is respond to his presence. We've got to respond to Jesus' presence in the way that John and Peter did. They, John recognized Jesus and Peter boldly moved towards Jesus as if he was not going to let anything hold him back from being with the Lord. We respond to Jesus' presence in everyday life in the same way, by recognizing Jesus and by boldly moving toward him. How do we recognize Jesus like John, like John did? Often, often it's things that seem like interruptions to our day, interruptions to our life, are actually invitations to fellowship with Jesus more fully. You guys hear that? (laughs) Often those things that we think, well, I know that's a need and I feel like I know what I should do with that, but I can't. Is one way that God meets us in our everyday life. Does that make sense? In the passage, at first they don't know who he is. It could be some random guy yelling out instructions. As they fish. Who wants a backseat driver when you've fished all night and have nothing? <laughs> hey guys, do you have any fish? No? Why don't you try fishing? <laughs> oh, put the, put the net down. Oh, we did that. <laughs> all night. Um, right? Seems like an interruption to me. Seems almost unwanted. I mean, just, I don't want to read into it too much, but let me just say everyday life. Have you not come up with unwanted interruptions? But have you also had the experience of sometimes answering that and realizing that, hey, God's calling me to do this right now? And haven't you experienced more fully a sense of meaning and purpose? And this is why God put me here for this person to minister to them, to meet this need. They didn't share it with anyone else today. They shared it with me, and I was there. And I answered the Lord's call to serve and bless them. Is that, is that tracking? Amen. <laughs> That's all right. That's good. <laughs> oh, that was good. I've never, I've been distracted by a lot of things in a sermon, but it's never been like the Bible reading back to me. <laughs> I mean, I had a baby stroller come down towards me once, but that was unique. That was, that was awesome. I hope, I hope she's not too embarrassed. Um, whew. Man, I'm just hearing the word everywhere. <sighs> Often the things that seem like interruptions in our day are actually opportunities to learn to depend on Jesus and, to, and have him meet us there in that moment. Think back over the last week. Were there times of interruption 
that could have actually been an invitation for you to lean into God through prayer and say, God, where, do you, where are you meeting me here? Or God, I feel so overwhelmed right now. How This is an opportunity to depend on your strength, not my own strength. Does that make sense? So the first thing in responding to Jesus' presence in everyday life is that we've got to recognize it. And the first place we can look is those things that seem like interruptions or those things that throw us. Secondly, it's by boldly moving toward Jesus. Like Peter, we respond to Jesus' presence by boldly moving toward him. We should not just be people of emotion and not just people who recognize. (laughs) We should be people of action that say, nothing's going to hold me back from encountering Jesus in this moment on a Tuesday morning. Because I know that he's He's out and about <laughs> to encourage, to strengthen, to, to minister through me to other people. Amen? How do we do that? How are some practical ways that we boldly move towards Jesus? And the first thing that I think of is just the spiritual disciplines. The spending time in prayer and committing to spending time with God in prayer. Committing to reading the Bible and encountering Jesus in His, in his Word that's given to us for, for, our, for us to believe, for our faith to be encouraged, for us to be corrected and instructed, for, for taking Sabbath time to reconnect with God and to rest. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, a lot of times we think of spiritual disciplines and and. and we think of um, that's something that w- we just think of it wrong. I just, I've thought of it wrong. It's a way to earn something or, or to gain leverage. Or I, got my, I knocked off my spiritual checklist today. I got my spiritual points because I read the CBR passage today. And, you know, I, I prayed for a few minutes. But that we, when we go about it that way, we go about it all wrong because it's not something that, w- that we are earning as leverage. It's actually... For our good. God has provided spiritual disciplines for our good. Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what I like to think of with spiritual disciplines? They're the trellises that hold up the vine and make room for growth to happen organically. It's the, I don't earn anything by it, but I get the opportunity to grow more fully and interact with God through his word and through prayer and through corporate worship on Sundays and through um, meeting in homes throughout the week and all that. You're making space in your life. You're boldly moving towards Jesus by making room in your life to be with him. Amen? So as Christians, as as the church in the world, we should expect to encounter Jesus in everyday life The way we're going to do that more fully is when we respond to his presence by recognizing him in the interruptions and by moving boldly towards him in our spiritual disciplines. And when we do this, if we keep reading, we're going to see these points. When we do this, there's a couple things we're going to realize. One is this. The burden of fishing is his and the blessing of fishing is ours. We got an amen from all the fishermen. <laughs> I realize we got to unpack that a little bit. But the burden 
is his and the blessing is ours. So when they get to the shore, Jesus is there and they're, they're going to have breakfast. And in verse 10 and 11, Jesus says, uh, Jesus says this, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and grabbed the net ashore, and it was full of large fifth, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And uh, we are not going to try to decide what 153 means, because there's like 153 interpretations of that, if you read up on it. But for our purposes, it just means a lot. <laughs> and someone was like, how many fish did you catch? Uh, let's see. 153. Um, but what I want to focus on is that fishing had extra meaning for these disciples. We already talked about Luke 5 when they were first called to Jesus. And so that was a powerful moment. That's, we're kind of seeing an echo of that today. But what Jesus said to them when he first called them in Luke 5 was this. It's Luke 5 verses 10 and 11 is where it's found. I think we have it on the screen. But Jesus' words at that point to them in, when they were first called, before they were, when they were being called to join his ministry, he said this, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So from the beginning of their journey, Jesus promised to make them a fisher of people. Fishing, okay, is a metaphor. All right, everyone's there. Everyone there with me? <laughs> fishing is a metaphor. God's not calling you to go out and learn how to catch fish. He's calling us to his mission for the church, which is how to catch people, to share the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. And why can I say that the burden of fishing is his and the blessing is ours? Well, when they didn't recognize Jesus' presence, they fished on their own all night and with no results. Frustrating. But when they followed Jesus' leading and they recognized and moved toward his presence, they, not only did they catch a bunch of fish, but Jesus says this, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Think about that. Who's responsible for this miraculous catch of fish? Is it the disciples or is it Jesus? Is it Jesus who knew they would be there and said, put the net out again. You're going to catch fish. It's Jesus. But who does he say just caught the fish? You just caught it. When we recognize Jesus' presence in everyday life, we realize that we're part of his mission, that he's doing all the heavy lifting and yet he invites us into the joy of it. That we get to share and how amazing this is that people come to know Jesus and they come to be transformed by his grace. Amen. We get to be part of his mission. Our mission of fishing for people, it won't be fishing for Jesus, something we're doing for him, but it'll be something we're fishing with him. We won't just be living for him. I mean, we will be living for him. But we'll be living with him. It's not just something we're just doing to serve him. And just, I'm just going to serve you from over here. No, it's he's with us. 
He's encouraging us. He's showing us the next step to take. Amen? And the last thing we see when we do this. Um, kind of shows up in, in verse 9 and, and in the rest of the verses in this passage. But when they landed, they're, you know, they're dragging all those fish to the shore. And when they landed, it says that they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. When we look for Jesus' presence in everyday life, we realize that he's still serving us and that he's been serving us all along. He called, he helped direct them where the fish were, but it was for their own good. He already had fish prepared, breakfast for them when they got there. He already had a fire going. He already created a hospitable place. Just like before he was even crucified, he knelt down and washed their feet and served them in John 13. Now, even he's been crucified and he's been resurrected. And now what is Jesus doing whenever we see him? He's still serving his followers. What is Jesus doing today when we're gathered here today? He's still serving us. He's still giving us the spiritual nourishment we need for our hearts to go on, for our heads to look up, for our faith to be lifted up. And if you haven't experienced that yet this morning, you can, by faith, before you leave today, Jesus meeting that spiritual need because he has served our greatest needs. That's what the cross is about. That's why we preach it. That even in his death, he was serving us by taking on our sin and by giving us his life and by being willing to take the death we should have died and then rise to life to give us a life we don't deserve that goes on into eternity, full of mission, full of purpose, full of joy. And when you realize that, when you begin to encounter Jesus' presence in everyday life, it does something. It does something to your heart. When you realize that you're a fish that he caught. When you realize that he was serving you while you were still in the boat, frustrated doing your own thing. He was prepping a fire. When you realize that he was there to meet you at your point of need. You know, the only two times in the New Testament, this wording of, of a charcoal fire a fire with charcoal, it, it, only, it only happens twice. This is one of them, and a few of them, the other one, sorry, not a few. <laughs> the other one is in John 18, and you know what's happening? It's Peter, and he's around a fire, and he's denying even knowing Jesus. The author of this gospel is showing us Jesus knows your point of hurt, and he's here to serve you. He's here to meet you at that point of need. He's here to reconcile you and restore you and build you up, Peter, James, and John, so that you're not just busy fishing, but that the whole book of Acts, we can begin to see that. You're out there preaching. You're out there catching people for the glory of Jesus Christ in everyday life, not just in the temple. You're preaching in prison. You're preaching in... Amen? Jesus is still serving us today. It's when you realize that it's really you who've been served by him all along. When you needed forgiveness from sin, when you needed freedom from guilt that enslaves you, when you needed freedom from shame that hangs over your identity and even 
changes your body language as you walk throughout the day, that Jesus died to set you free. And he rose again to set you free and to empower us with the Holy Spirit so that we can see him in the interruptions of life, so that we can boldly move towards him in the way that we pray every day. Not just when we remember, but God, I'm going to meet you in prayer today. I'm going to meet you in prayer this week. Maybe as you leave today, that's the thing that you're going to commit to. I'm going to pray every day this week. Maybe it's as simple as that. This whole life of serving him only makes sense when you remember how much he's already served you, how much he's already loved you. He sent you out to fish because he's fished for you. (laughs) And he's already prepared for everything that you need. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to end and I'm going to pray in just a moment, but... um, as I end, I, I challenge you to think about, are there ways in which you need to recognize Jesus this week? Are there ways in which, as you think about the last week, like, oh, I think <laughs> God might have met me there if I had turned to him, if my eyes had been open to see. Or maybe there's ways in which you're thinking about, I need to make some bold moves towards Jesus. Because... The opportunity to be with Jesus in everyday life is the greatest opportunity I will ever get in my life. And I don't want to pass it up. I don't want to make anything else more important than that. This is the life to which I'm called. What are the bold moves that you might need to make, commit to this week? Or maybe you're here and and you need to really feel that Jesus is holding that burden so that you can be blessed. You need to be released from your guilt of feeling like a failure at following Jesus. Do you realize the power of the gospel was not meant to call you to a mission that you would constantly feel like a failure for? That's not what Jesus died for. That's not why he rose again. He rose again for you to be full of grace and to be so enamored with his presence that you would want to share that with other people. Maybe you need to reflect on that, the heavy weight that he has carried and invited you into the the joyous blessing. Or maybe you need to be reminded of how Jesus is serving you in your point of need even today. Think on that as we end in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity um, to gather together as your church. And, And Lord, I pray for everyone that is here or whether they are a believer, and whether their hope is in you, or whether they're um, seeking you and wanting to know what this is like to have faith in you. I just pray that uh, you would awaken the seeds of faith that have been planted. God, I pray that each one of us would um, use the decision-making power that you have given us to, to run towards you. God, that we would respond to your initiating presence, Lord, that You're here whether we see it or not. You're ready to meet us whether we see it or not. I pray that you'd help us to see it. And if we don't see it yet, help us to look for it. Help us to look for you, God. God, I pray that our church would be marked as a group of people that expect to encounter you in everyday life, God. 
not just when we want to encounter you here. We want to encounter you when we get, we want to encounter you in the next few minutes, but we want to encounter you in everyday life, God. We want to help other people see your glory. God, we thank you. Thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for giving us grace, for for purchasing our freedom, God, for giving us eternal life. And I pray that over the next few minutes as we reflect on that and as we pray, that Holy Spirit, you would do a powerful work, God. This is not a time to go through a routine for us, Lord. This is a time for us to invite you to powerfully work, God, that chains would be broken, that people who walked in overwhelmed and buried under a load of guilt and shame would not leave that way, Lord but that you would do the work that you've done in my heart and in many hearts here countless time and time again of setting us free, reminding us of your goodness, God. We invite that. We invite you to work and we ask that you would and that we would make room for that, God. Meet us here in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.